Good evening. I'm cold. Hopefully you're warmer than I am. <laughs> and I'll be waving my arms, so I'll, I'll be really cold. All right. Uh, <clears throat> take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22. A uh, young man named Des was experiencing headaches, fear, anxiety, and paranoia. So he went to the doctor to have it checked out. The doctor gave him an examination, and the conclusion was, I'm really not sure what's wrong with you. And so he referred him to a psychiatrist. Following that visit, the psychiatrist said, it's all in your head. It's all in your mind. And if that's true, what kind of mind should we have? If it's all in our mind, what kind of mind should we have? And if you don't mind, let's look into it tonight. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we might be able to get our minds around this message tonight, that we might glean some things that are practical for our use, and that we might understand what you would have our minds to be. Pray that the Holy Spirit would have free course tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We, we only have um, ten points tonight. I'm serious. But don't get shaken because I'm only going to give you the skeleton. I'm going to let you put the flesh on it. All right. So let's get started. Matthew 22, verse number 37. Jesus was asked in verse 36 what the greatest commandment was. And uh, Jesus answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. So we're to love God in these three ways, with our heart, our soul, and our mind. And uh, there's, there's a lot of... Um, conjecture on what these are. What is the heart? What is the soul? What is the mind? And oft times in scripture, these are interchangeable, which confuses it even more. Uh, and so context has a lot to do with our understanding of it. The general um, uh, connection of these, however, is that the heart has to do with the affections or feelings, the emotions, uh, the desires that we have. Uh, the soul uh, is actually the word psuche in Greek and nephesh in Hebrew. And both of those mean breath or life. Now we, we get the word psychology from psuche, which confuses it for us because we think of Psychology is having to do with the mind, uh, but it does not. It has to do with the soul. In other words, it's our life, it's our very being. And then uh, mind has to do with the intellect, the thought, the reasoning uh, capabilities. And so we're to love God in all three of these areas. So basically, this verse is sta stating we are to love God with our entire being, every aspect of us, we're to love him. 
Now I want you to turn to Mark chapter 5. And we find a, a man who was all out of sorts, sort of like Des, and uh, didn't know what to do about it, and couldn't do anything about his condition. And we want to pick up the reading uh, in verse 15. It says, then, then, uh, And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had a legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. As they left Jesus and this maniac of Gadara, as he's known, went into town, uh, he was not this way. But when they came back, they discovered him sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. And having to do with the mind, uh, before they left for town, this man was confused, very much so. Uh, he didn't know who he was or what he was supposed to be doing, and so he tormented people that passed by. But now he was found in his right mind. That has to do with clear thinking. Uh, the word itself, right, uh, means to be sound or sober, or this is really the one that it means, sane, because he was insane at that time. And so the Bible is clear that we need to be of a right mind. Not to be confused, not to be wishy-washy, but to be sound and sane in our thinking, as if we were sober. Uh, a drunkard is anything but in his right mind. And so uh, we are to have a right mind. If it's all in our mind, the first one is it needs to be right. And the opposite of right is not wrong. In this case, the opposite of right is very confused and delusional. Now turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to be all over the place tonight, so hopefully you can follow. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul is commending um, Timothy here and uh, giving him some instructions. And uh, I'll pick it up in verse 5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Uh, wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, uh, which is in thee, by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The second thing that we need to understand about our mind is it needs to be sound. Now, I will confess to you that this is the same Greek word for right. So right and sound are the same Greek word, but we have a little bit different take on what it means. 
What it means here is a mind that is disciplined or in control. Disciplined or in control. And we need that kind of a mind. Uh, this is a mind that doesn't get um, distracted and, and chasing this and that and the other. It's disciplined. It's, uh, it's in control all the time. Did you ever say something that you regretted saying and you said, oh, I don't know where that came from. That's a mind that's out of control. Okay, we should be in control of our minds because our minds direct our tongue. And when we say something that we shouldn't say, it's because it's within us first off and it's out of control. It's not under our controlled mind. And so we need to have a sound mind if we are going to have the, the kind of mind that God wants us to have. Turn back to Acts chapter 17. In Acts chapter 17, we'll find our third one. See, I told you it wasn't going to take very long. Acts chapter 17 and verse number 11. Speaking of those in Berea, he said, These are more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Here we see that if it's all in the mind, that our mind needs to be ready. Needs to be ready. Uh, this word ready has to do with forward disposition. So it's, it's, it's a mind that's thinking ahead. It's, it's ready for whatever's going to come. Um, we use the expression, thinking ahead. And when we don't think ahead, we get behind, right? But when we think ahead and we try to imagine what might happen, then we're prepared for that. We're, we're ready for that because we have thought down the road. Uh, in Ephesians, it tells us that we're supposed to be circumspect, that word circumspect means to be looking out, to be looking around, not to be caught off guard with what might surprise us. And so we need a mind that's ready so that we can walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, as it says there in Ephesians. Second uh, Corinthians chapter number 8. <clears throat> still on this ready mind. There's a passage talking about money. I know that's a bad subject, but anyways, the Bible addresses it, and so we will. Verse number 11 of chapter 8 in 2 Corinthians. <clears throat> now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, in other words, a ready mind, uh, so there may be a, a performance also out of that which 
you have. God doesn't require us to give, give out of what we don't have, but he does require us to give out of what we do have. And who's the one that gives it in the first place? He does. <clears throat> Verse number 12, For if there be first a willing mind, there's that willing mind, uh, a willing mind, uh, it is accepted according to that a man hath, not according to that he hath not. And so here we actually have two points, uh, the ready mind and the willing mind. So the willing mind is the fourth one we're looking at. It needs to be willing, it needs to be ready, and, and that readiness of mind has to do, okay, if you're, if you're going to have a forward disposition in your thinking, then you're going to be eager for that. You're... you're um, <clears throat> a, a racer, a person running in a race, doesn't run like this. He's not going to get very far running that way. He might get on his back, but what does he do? He leans forward as he runs. Okay, and if he run, if he leans too far forward, he'd be on his face. But he he has just enough eagerness and and forward motion that it's propelling him forward and so this this ready mind has to do with being eager or hungry for something or or zealous for it to be accomplished and and if our minds are ready we're going to be craving for something to happen whatever that is in our thinking uh, we're, we're prepared for that All right, and then it it addressed the willing mind as well. We want to turn back to Chronicles, First Chronicles, in chapter twenty-eight. <clears throat> David speaking to his son Solomon, chapter twenty-eight of First Chronicles and verse nine. And thou, Solomon, my son. Know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart, and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth the heart, all hearts, and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. And so this, this willing mind uh, from the perspective of the desire to see something come to fruition. Uh, you talk to some people and they say, I don't know. Okay, a person who says that and has that attitude does not have a willing mind. He doesn't have any desire to, to know anything or to move forward. Uh, he's... He, he's ignorant of those things. He has no knowledge of what to do in different situations, and so we need a willing mind. It's expressed a little bit differently in Philemon. Philemon, which only has one chapter. In verse 14 says, But without, the, without thy mind uh, would I do nothing, 
that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. And so here Paul is telling Philemon, you need to have a willing mind, and I'm not going to proceed until you do. And this was his, his trying to uh, get him to take Philemon back without punishing him, uh, and the fact that he had come to the Lord and uh, he wanted to, to come back and, and to serve. And so Paul here is, is addressing Philemon that he would have a willing mind to accept him back. And that willingness uh, has to do with a voluntary nature. In other words, I'm not going to constrain you to do this, Philemon. I want you to voluntarily do this because you're willing to do so. And we need to serve the Lord that way. We need to volunteer our services to the Lord with a willing mind that we might be able to accomplish His will in our lives. 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1, verse number 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It says we're to gird up the loins of our mind. Okay, loins have nothing to do with the head, right? If you know anything about what, what the loins are, what area of the body that is, it's not in the head. All right, but he's using that concept. Well, what, is, what are the loins? And, and why gird them up? Well, soldiers used to gird up their garment into the belt. And so it, it basically was girding up the loins. That's, that's the expression. And to gird up the loins of our mind has to do with being prepared for the battle being prepared to do what is expected of us. And so it has to do with an expectant mind. Let me ask you tonight, what do you expect from God? What do you expect from Him? Anything? When we pray, do we actually expect Him to answer? Well, we will if we have a prepared mind. And so how do we prepare our mind then? We saturate ourselves with his mind. Where do we find that? We find the mind of God right in here. The pages of his word. He conveys that to us very clearly, what he desires. And so if we're prepared in our minds, then we're prepared for, for battle. All right, and then 2 Timothy, and this one's a little harder to see it clearly. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, you probably have this memorized, many of you. 
Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If we're going to rightly divide the word of truth, we have to study. Study is preparation. Um, some people don't want to study. Uh, I have to admit, when I was going through um, grade school and high school, I didn't want to study. I just wanted to be out with the guys and having fun and, you know, being a kid. I didn't want to study. And therefore, when I got to university, I was unprepared in my mind. And I'll tell you what, it wasn't easy. <laughs> uh, those, those four years, uh, I crammed into four and a half because I was so smart and I was unprepared instead of prepared. Okay. I don't, uh, I don't advocate that as a, a, as a way to go, uh, but uh, we need to have a prepared mind. And to study uh, takes hard work. And so what we're really getting at with this, this study aspect of it is that we need to have a diligent mind. A diligent mind. That's part of being prepared, is to be diligent at it. Not to kind of fly by the seat of your pants and, well, if it happens, you know, the quesara, sara um, aspect of going through life. That's not what kind of mind God wants us to have. He wants us to diligently prepare uh, because he wants us to have a prepared mind. All right, we're halfway through, folks. Philippians 2, Philippians chapter 2, and verse number 5, this is probably the one that you've thought of when I announced the topic of the mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, okay, we're to have Christ's mind, right? Well, what does that mean? What kind of mind did Christ have? Well, it actually goes on to tell us in the passage, Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross. And so what we have here, you can phrase it one of two ways. Uh, you, can, you can phrase it as a humble mind, or you can, what is humility, by the way? If, if I'm humble, what does that mean? That means I am putting myself under someone else. That's humility. Okay, it's not being on an equal plane, it's putting myself under. I may be, indeed, on an equal plane with people. But to be humble is to put myself under someone else. And in putting myself under them, I'm allowing them to be an authority in my life. And so by putting myself under them, humbling myself under them, I am submitting to their will, not my own. And so this, this type of mind is a submissive mind. 
Jesus had a submissive mind. Submissive mind. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and say this. I got in trouble in one church in America when I said this, uh, but I believe it's true. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed three times. What did he pray? Well, he only prayed. He didn't, he didn't pray that all three times. All three times he said, if there, and I'm paraphrasing here, if there's another way, let's do it that way. And what I said in this church was that you have the deity of Christ. He's divine and he's human. He's got a divine will. He's got a human will. This guy debated over me, with me, on that one, um, but he did. Okay, he took on himself the form of man. Okay, and and to be acquainted with us, and to be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, he had to be like us, except that he wasn't sinful. He had a human nature. He didn't have a sin nature. He had a human nature. All right, so he's in the garden, and he's praying. If, if there's any other way, why did he pray that? Because I believe that the human side of him didn't want to go to the cross, didn't want to suffer. And he said, that's heresy. I said, no, it's not. Listen, I said, his human side didn't want to be afflicted like that. That's not a problem. That's not a sin. But what the human side did at the end was what Ross said. What did you say again, Ross? That he said in the garden, not, not my will, not my will, but thine be done. He submitted himself to God's will. All right? And therefore, it was accomplished just like God planned it to be accomplished. So if you want to debate that with me later, uh, I'm open for it. But um, that's the way I see that scripture. All right, so Christ had a submissive mind, and we need a submissive mind as well. Uh, that passage also, in verse uh, 8, talks about his obedience. His obedience. And if we'll turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10... We'll find this as well. And so this kind of mind is an obedient mind. Not only submissive, but an obedient mind. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 5. Casting down, every imagine, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of of Christ. So there you have both of them again. Bringing into captivity, that's the submissive mind, unto the obedience of Christ. So we have the obedient mind. That's one that is in subjection, not just submission, but subjection, going to do exactly what you're told. We like to argue. <laughs> <laughs> 
We like to debate. We like to think we know everything. But at the end of the day, we don't know a whole lot. And if God tells us to do something, we need to be obedient and just do it. Just do it. All right, and then Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse number 3. Again, probably a verse you have memorized. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. What does it mean to have a stayed mind? You know, usually we think of stayed in, in scriptural terms and we think of something that, that is, is stopped. Okay, that's not what this means. To have a stayed mind is to have a, a fixed mind or a focused mind. If, if, I, if I focus on him with all of my mind, then I have the mind that God wants me to have because it's focused on Him. It's focused on His desires, focused on His plans, focused on His ambitions. And if I'm focused on it, if you can think of focus uh, through a lens of a camera, uh, some have taken up photography and stuff, and if you're focusing that camera, what else do you see? Nothing. The only thing you see is what you're seeing that you're trying to focus on, right? You don't see anything else. You're not distracted by this or that or the other that comes uh, to, to, uh, to sway you or to get you off track. You're focused in your thinking, in your mind. And so Isaiah here says we need to have this, this kind of a focused mind if we expect to have the perfect peace of God in our life. It's when we start looking around us that we lose our peace, right? And it's because we're, we're not focused on the right thing. The peace comes as we focus on Him. Uh, it's phrased a little bit differently in Colossians 3 and verse 2. It says, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. And then we want to turn to 1 Timothy as well. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And verse number 13. Where Paul says to Timothy, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to, extort, uh, to exhortation, to doctrine. Give attendance to. What does that mean? It means focus your mind on those things. What are those things again? Reading. What kind of reading? Reading your scriptures. Reading the scriptures. Exhortation. What's that referring to? Encouraging others in the Lord. Uh, by the way, that's... 
a lot of what fellowship means. We talk about fellowship and we talk about parties and stuff like that. That's not fellowship. Okay? We, we say it's fellowship. But fellowship is actually participating in one another's lives, exhorting one another. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. And then doctrine. Doctrine, what God says. His teaching. We need to be focused on those things. We need to pay attention to those things. All right. And then uh, Romans 12, verse 2. Who can quote that one for me? Come on, young people. I know all of the Awana kids know this one because I know you have to memorize it. Romans 12, verse 2. Who can quote that one? And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed how? By the renewing of your mind. Okay? And so this is is a renewed mind. Why do we need a renewed mind? We need a renewed mind because our minds are skewed. And so we need to renew them. We need to get them back on what God wants instead of what we've been having. It's not our way, our plans, it's God's. And so we need, a, we need to renew them day by day. Uh, it has to do with two different areas. It has to do with both time and quality, the word renewed. Having to do with time, it means that it is recent means that it's it's young it's it's fresh it's it's vibrant when we have a renewed mind our minds are vibrant they're exciting they're excited about the things of god having to do with quality this has to do with being different than accustomed to It's thinking differently than you used to think. There's got to be change that takes place. And where there is no change, there is no growth. Where there is no growth, there is no mind to be like Christ. And so we need a renewed mind. We need to have a different course of thinking than we used to have. And uh, that's, that's why reasoning is actually fairly dangerous without this renewal okay so we need a renewed mind and one last one in nehemiah way back in nehemiah nehemiah was given a task to rebuild the walls of jerusalem he had all kinds of problems that he encountered all kinds of trouble all kinds of opposition uh, both from within and without. And uh, in chapter 4 of Nehemiah, in, chapter, uh, in verse 6, we read, So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof. Why? Why was that accomplished? For the people had a mind to work. 
not a mind to sleep, but a mind to work. And what, what I call this is a determined mind. We need to be determined that nothing is going to stand in our way of accomplishing the will of God. Determined. Are you determined that you are going to live for Christ? Or do you get up each day and say, oh, well, you know, if it happens, it happens. If not, I'm not going to worry about it. No, we need a determined mind. So, if it's all in the mind, we need a right mind, a sound mind, a ready mind, a willing mind, a prepared mind, a submissive mind, an obedient mind, a focused mind, a renewed mind, and a determined mind. That's just mind-boggling, isn't it? Not really. If it's all in your mind, uh, then what kind of mind do you have tonight? That's the question we leave with is what kind of a mind do I have? I've listed 10 areas, 10 things that our mind should be revolved around. And so what kind of mind do you have tonight? If you don't mind, perhaps you are mindless. But be mindful of this. It is all in your mind. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this short study on the mind. And Lord, that's where the activity of our lives takes place on what we do and what we don't do. And so help us to have the kind of mind that you desire for us to have. You spelled it out in your word. You've given us the direction. Now help us to be mindful of these things tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.